Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Today we continue a discussion we began on our last show about the recent visit to North America by Pope Francis. What transpired during that visit could have repercussions for years to come. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is on the line to share some insights. Now, Lincoln, right before we ended last week's program, you mentioned that the Pope mentioned a figure in American history that surprised you, Abraham Lincoln. Why did that surprise you, and what should we learn from that? He more than mentioned Abraham Lincoln. Uh He was one of four individuals that anchored his entire speech. And that surprised me because Abraham Lincoln's assassination was really the result not just of one rogue individual, but a a plot. And a number of people were hanged Uh and others imprisoned on this plot. And all of them, it was noted, except one, were Roman Catholics. That in itself would seem prejudicial, except that at the time, this was an overtly Protestant society. There was reason to see antagonism from Rome toward Abraham Lincoln, and popular paranoia at the time presumed it was a Jesuit plot. Mm. So that's the facts of history. So, you know, here, uh, some years later, we have the Pope sort of holding him up. That really shouldn't have been able to fly so easily. He should have avoided it out of some sensitivity, I would have thought. But the speech was more than that. That's just what troubled me. He spoke at great length on the themes emanating from his document on the environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, while he didn't get into some of the deeper theological uh, points that that document made, I think he alluded to it at the very beginning of his speech. He looked up and across the room, and there was a bar relief of, of Moses. And he made a comment about Moses. Now, in the document which argues for the concern for the environment, our common home, protecting of our common home, which is a very good point. And as a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, I know you too, Charles, are very aware of the three angels, among other angels, in Revelation 14. And the first angel's message says that we are to fear God and honor him who made heaven and earth, because the hour of his judgment has come. So implicit in that revelation call is a respect for the the environment slash the creation of the Creator God. Yes. So, you know, there's, there's nothing uh, unbiblical about that at all. So it's a logical necessity, an imperative of the modern order. But in the document, he makes an interesting theological observation and diversion almost. He says the, the Jews, the uh, Israelites, were given the seventh-day Sabbath, seventh day of the week, Saturday, mm-hmm. as a day from God where they were told, of course, in the Ten Commandments, to keep this day holy as a memorial of creation. And he says that in so doing, they were really confirming their custody of that environment. Then he says, we too, in honoring Sunday, the day of the new creation, Mm. are called to honor and respect and and protect the environment. Well, as I said in a comment in Liberty Magazine, that's a very partisan comment. Yes, it is. It's not a matter of civil concern. That's a religious doctrinal suggestion. And, of course, a Protestant, any Protestant, should know that, if they don't now, that Sunday is not a biblical day to fulfill the Ten Commandments. It's a day, as the previous Pope of Rome said in a document on Sunday, 
was changed because the early believers thought that they had the authority to change it. What he means was Rome, yes. which has inherited certain uh, imperial Roman pretensions, claims that they have the innate authority as possessors of the keys of heaven and earth. But it's not biblical, and there'd be very good religious reasons to uh, challenge that. So it troubled me here, ahead of a 110-acre city-state, Head of many uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions Christian community, though, can stand up and, in essence, be promoting his doctrinal viewpoint in a legislative chamber. I felt troubled and even rather, uh, you know, a cold shiver up my spine yes. at, at this dynamic. Well, now, I was listening to some radio broadcasts soon after this event took place, and the announcer said the Pope gave advice to Congress. Was anyone listening? And then he added, probably not. True. Now, what, what would be your take on this? Was Congress listening? I mean, they're a rather dysfunctional group. <laughs> yes. I think they were listening or paid attention to the event, and, and without knowing exactly what happened, to me it's very telling that the very next day the House Majority Leader, uh, Boehner, resigned. Yes. So I don't think it all fell on deaf ears, the import of this, has had a great effect there. Whether they're listening now, I don't know. But he's planted the seeds of many of his ideas. As a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, I put great stock in the Bible and what the Bible says on prophecy. And I see evidence that, that America's mentioned that it will play a key role in an end-time effort to enforce certain religious viewpoints. Now, wait, wait, wait. You're making a connection between Boehner resigning and the Pope's speech? Absolutely. Help us with that. What, what kind of connection are we talking about? Majority Leader Boehner yeah. and Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi are both Roman Catholics, which oh, is their full right. 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 Constitution right. says no religious test for public office. But it's sort of self-evident. In fact, I had read comment on it, that the invitation would not have been given nor approved by that body except these two lead individuals, uh, you know, had a soft spot for the leader of their church gotcha, coming, gotcha. even as civilly aberrant as the, as the move was. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite sure he took a lot of heat, probably for the wrong reasons, because the Pope in his speech emphasized what had been said by many commentators as a socialist agenda. Mm -hmm. It was definitely anti-capitalism, and uh, pretty much as the president has been criticized for suggesting... Uh, uh, reallocation of, of income and resources, yes, yes. which is many Americans still think is communist, but it's socialism with a lowercase s. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the back rooms that hit the fan and, and uh, Boehner was under pressure, as he has been from many fronts for a long time, but this was probably the straw that broke his leadership back. But it happened the very next day. Next day. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it. Other repercussions. Did you notice any kind of shifts at all in attitudes, not only among the people of the city, but among the people in your own organization there, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> I'm not sure after repeated papal visits that anything radical happened. I see this as a visit that solidified a standing in the community. Okay. The Pope now is, is seen as, as sort of the man, if not on the white horse, in the white coat or the white smock. He's a moral leader who can, as you said, literally lecture Congress. Yes. It was like a tutorial. Yes, yes. How much of it they took to heart at that moment, I don't know. But uh, an early pioneer of the Adventist Church 
writing, I believe, with some inspiration about events that would uh, come at some point in this country. She says that after this sort of an event, she spoke a very similar exaltation of the power of Rome before American legislators. But she says the time will come when people will clamor to the legislators for some sort of rules on religious behavior, in particular on days of worship. Hmm. And I think this visit laid the groundwork for that. You know, we have a precedent for this, Lincoln Steed, even in our own church. One of our own members is running to be president of the United States because he lectured Obama during a prayer breakfast not too long ago. Yes, I've watched that video. It yes. wasn't quite a lecture, but yeah. it's been interpreted that way. Yes, yes. And he is running, and, and as with Mitt Romney, I think it's going to lead to many uh, questions and this much discussion about his Seventh-day Adventist identification. It's already happening. Yes, it's beginning, but I think it's not ended by any means. Right. And while not everything he says is quite the way I would see my church, and he's an individual, he's not the leader of his church, I think there is going to be a a very vibrant discussion of this aspect of Christianity, Seventh-day Adventism, and perhaps in a delayed sense there will be more, or not more, there will be some discussion about uh, the significance of the Pope's visit, I hope. It just troubled me how it largely fell on deaf ears, even... In my own church, I could have wished there was a more uh, sober response, but way too many seem sort of blasé about this. Wow, you know, nothing important. He's not going to promote this or that, the other. Nothing's going to change, some people would say. And they're missing the real import, Hmm. that a once Protestant nation is now thoroughly enamored with its opposing Christian organization and unaware of the differences that created the Reformation. And worse for the civil future of the United States, unaware of their constitutional model that is at great odds with a church-state entity. Mm -hmm. And for those who may not be aware of it, Dr. Ben Carson is a Seventh-day Adventist Christian and is running for president. Okay, we have just uh, three minutes left on our program here. Any final thoughts about the papal visit and what we should be thinking and how we should be thinking differently from this moment on? As with everything, not just with the, the Pope of Rome. But with many of these religious liberty challenges, uh, many of them false flag challenges, if you like, people should really think for themselves. They should read documents like the U.S. Constitution. We have presidential candidates who clearly don't know, like a comment was made recently by someone anonymous for this program, that, you know, Muslims couldn't be president. Well, that's a private opinion. The Constitution says no religious test for public office. So people need to read these documents. They need to uh, read their Bible, restudy history, and to critically evaluate all that's said by any public figure. It's not for me to say what they should think, but I would encourage people to start thinking critically in the sense of analytically. Think about these things and analyze them. Don't accept what the media and public figures will give to you, because it's always been the case. They will lead us like sheep if we give a chance. This brings me to an interesting point. I saw in a documentary just recently about health, the subject of health, someone was asking, how do we get the government, how do we get the elected officials to to lead us where we want to go? And the statement was made that elected officials don't lead, they are led. And the person asked, by whom? And the answer was, by the voters. So like you say, if we educate ourselves so that we can lead them, the other option is them leading us. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. At a given moment, politicians 
can uh, lead us in a wrong direction. Mm-hmm. But as a, an ongoing dynamic, they bubble up from our corporate thinking, <laughs> and, and they tend to reflect up. the ways that we think or don't yes. think. Yes. Oh, my. So that just makes your word so important that we need to start thinking for ourselves. And when we do that and when we all get together and say, here, this is what this is what we think, our elected leaders will go, "Okay, well, let me make legislation that supports your thoughts. And that's how they get elected. That's how they stay elected. And that's how we lead in a democracy. Am I right? Absolutely. All right. Very good. Lincoln Steed has been telling us about the papal visit over the last couple of programs. We have enjoyed what he has said, and the take-home message is very, very clear. Read Liberty Magazine. All right. <laughs> that is the bottom line right there. That'll, that'll educate us enough to be leaders in our own community. I like that. www.libertymagazine.org is the website. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.